and welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free goodies, and much, much more each and every Monday so you can start your week off with a bang. Why not give it a try over at businessgrowth.email. that said, my guest today is Christian Borgeson. Christian's the VP of Marketing over at Future Vault. Welcome to the show, sir. How's it going? Thank you, Sam. Uh, really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's going well. It's going well. It's a holiday here in here in Canada, so I'm I'm having a bit of a relaxed day. But but um, you know, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than than on a podcast with yourself. So it, it's going to make for a great day. Relaxing's always good, man. I appreciate you joining us on a holiday. Excited to chat. We're going to be talking about the three fundamental pillars of marketing. And let's jump straight into it. Christian, it. Can, can marketing really be split into just three things? Is that even possible? That's, it's a good question, and, and, and it's a loaded question. And, um, you know, I don't want <laughs> to say yes right out of the gate because I know, you know, I might, I might receive a lot of skepticism for that. But when you break down the core aspects of what goes into solid marketing and how to define your marketing strategy, create a go-to-market plan, and then actually define and leverage different channels and tactics. My answer to that would be yes. You, you can you can certainly break it down into fundamental pillars right. that help you achieve your objectives and your goals. And you should be honestly looking at it in in, in that regards. I think too much, there's too much focus on all of the outputs of marketing and everyone likes to obsess over what I refer to as the 10% of marketing. It's, it's what you see, it's what you hear about, it's the vanity metrics, but not too many people obsess over what's taking place behind the scenes. And it's the 90% that make the 10% count, but people refer to the 10% as the 90% because they're not overly familiar with what actually goes into it or what should go into it. And I know probably that in and of itself is quite loaded, um, but we can, we can certainly get into uh, those three pillars. Yeah, let's jump straight into it, man. So what, what are the three pillars that, that make up a marketing campaign? Yeah, so, so the, three, the three foundational pillars would be strategy. So that's first and foremost, your business strategy. You can think of that as your corporate strategy. And I'll okay. go into each of those pillars uh, in a little more detail just to you know, define them and give a little more breadth to what we're talking about. So sure. your business and corporate strategy, which can then go into uh, strategy across the different disciplines. So you'd have a product strategy, your customer success strategy, and how to service your customers. You'd have your marketing strategy, which would also be an output of that business strategy. Number two is is your positioning and i think this okay. is this is really where all of the magic happens and if you can solidify your positioning as a company i like to i like to refer to it as a as a cheat code um, right. you know you can create this wicked positioning document that can be used internally it's not meant for external use um, but it really 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 just helps you better understand how you fit and how you play within a certain market to a certain uh, subset of the market and it, you know you unlock a lot of uh, a lot of greatness as i like nice. to say and then the third the third pillar 
that I like to refer to is messaging. And that, you know, as most people know, your messaging is, is how you communicate about your brands and your service offerings to the market. Now, the first two, you'll, you, you, you might notice that they're kind of fundamentally different. The first two, I would say, are inputs. And then the okay. third one, your messaging is an output of the first two. But the reason why I still bucket it as a third core pillar is because your messaging is really core to all of the other external ancillary activities and, and actions that you're taking as a marketing team. Gotcha. Nice one. So those are the three business strategy, positioning and messaging. Let's let's dive dive a bit deeper into each, sir, if we may. So start off with business strategy and it sounded like that might involve marketing strategy as well so that's right let's, yeah let's, that's, let's chat a bit right. more about what that means i mean to me that sounds a little bit general um business strategy so let's yeah. let's dive into the specifics and how that can apply to to marketing and helping revenue growth uh, absolutely and it, it, it is it is pretty broad in general in in nature um, and it's meant to be, right? So the way I look at business strategy, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, share the same views as I do. Maybe some do not. But your business strategy is really it's a it's a it's a clear set of plans or actions or goals that ultimately outlines how a business, your business, will compete in a particular market or markets with a product. Again, your product or a number of products or your, your services. Now. The key thing here with business strategy is that it really should be sort of like the overarching guiding light of sorts for your organization. And really, you're probably like, okay, Christian, sounds great. What does that mean? And really what I mean by that is that your business strategy is there to create vision and direction for your entire okay. organization. And it's important that you know everyone within your company um, they all have clear goals in mind and they're all following in the same footsteps and working, you know, to, down towards the same path or going along the same path or mission of the organization. Otherwise, if not, um, as we all know, this can lead to massive misalignment and uh, quite frankly, actually abusive resources. You've got people doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing if that business strategy is not well-defined from the get-go. And so your strategy provides... Um, provides vision as i like to say yep. and it can prevent individuals from losing sight of why they're doing things in the first place and and really what their company goals are so okay when you boil and i know i know that's a lot there and again it's still pretty vague right but when you boil all of that down you realize it's it's sort of just like the ultimate why and how right it's all about clarity it's all about vision it's all about mission and importantly, it's all about purpose, right? So this, of course, is very high level, but you know, you really get to start to see the importance of it all, and in, in why having a solid business strategy in place is important. Christian, give us some examples of what might fall under business strategy. Um, perhaps if you want to do it for your own company or com other companies that you've worked with or helped. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. So for for our own. Um, for our own company, we have a business strategy document, and this is actually something that we that we revisit on a quarterly basis. And, and the reason okay. being is because all, actually all of these exercises or all of these pillars, for example, so even positioning, messaging, they're never a one and done type of ordeal. These are things mm -hmm. that you constantly need to be revisiting as you introduce new product features or, or you know, your value proposition might change or the market changes a bit, right? Or your product matures. 
in any which way. And so for us, what we typically include in this business strategy document is first and foremost, what is Future Vault? What is the market that we're going after? You know, for example, okay. us, it's we're in financial services and we're also in the wealth management industry. Again, very high level, but then we break that down. Okay, within those industries, who exactly are the subset of those customers within those industries that we're okay. trying to purpose, that we're trying to, to service? Um, we've also got our, our mission and our vision in there. And importantly, and this is one that sometimes does get neglected in business strategy. It's often, it, it's often like somewhere else, it exists somewhere else in the organization, but not really translated within the business strategy. And that is our goal. What is our goal and our main objective as a business? What do we see ourselves doing within five to 10 years? Again, that falls into your mission and your vision. But then importantly for 2022, what is it that we are trying to achieve? You can think of this as your North Star metric. And the reason why that's so critical, Sam, is because that acts as that guiding goal for all of the other functional areas in the department. So when I'm piecing together my marketing strategy, for example, I'm hanging on to all of those things that are within our business strategy to make sure everything I'm doing aligns with where we want to put the company forward and where we want to go as a company in 2022, in 2023, in 2024, and so on. And so that way, everything I'm doing, or everything at least that I'm planning on doing, it's reinforced by yeah. that by that business strategy, and so without that, you're sort of you're you're really missing a critical component of it. Got it. Okay, so essentially, you recommend kind of putting together a clear document, and you said you do that every six months or so. Is that right? Yeah, every you can do every six months. We try to do it quarterly, actually. Okay, so right, quarterly, so, right yeah. so right smack at the beginning of every quarter, we try to do gotcha. sort of like a a reassessment or a reevaluation uh, of Got everything, it. and that's just the. Really, that's just to make sure that there's alignment across the team. And you're basically sharing in that what you do, who the target clients are, target customers, mission and vision, and goals for, goals for the next year, as well as kind of larger predictions, whether that's next three, you, five, ten years. You got it. And another important piece that often, again, gets neglected in these business strategy documents or exercises, however you want to do it. I wouldn't say there's any right way of doing it. Hmm. Um is, is not just the things that you include or the things to do as a business. It's yep. the things or the areas to avoid as a business. And those are all of the, okay. les the lessons learned, right? And that's why actually even doing it on a, on a recurring basis, whether that's every four to six months, you've got lessons learned from the last four quarters. Okay, what did you learn that went well? Cool, let's adopt it, let's implement it, and let's institutionalize it as part of our process. What were the areas that went wrong? Why did they go wrong? You know, did they go wrong just because it, flat out they just don't make any sense or they don't work? Or did we, we really not put our best foot forward? Got it. Okay. Helpful. And does this, should this be getting tactical, Christian, in terms of laying down what you're actually going to do in terms of actionables? So it sounds like it's it's covering your goals. It's covering what you do. It's covering where you want to get to. Um, and your vision and your learnings, yes. what, not what perhaps didn't go quite so well. But then is it also laying out, right, this is what we're going to do, i.e. we're going to invest X amount in ads, we're going to do this on that, we're going to do this on our website, we're going to do this offline, we're going to do these Absolutely. events. Or is that later stages or is that not even considered? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a few ways of doing it. I mean, you can you can bundle those two together. So you've got the why and the how from a very like a very tactical point of view. That's often what I like to do. So when I'm again, just as an example, the way I do it, when I'm structuring these documents, I always start off with the very the high level, the why, what's the purpose? What's the reason? What am I working towards? And then I start to get into the the how. And that how starts off very high level, as you would, you know, assume. And then it gets very tactical and right into the weeds. And, you know, for a lot of people, this is sort of where the go to market strategy or go to market plan or document would really become uh, of high relevance and importance is that's where you would start to break down all of the different channels and the tactics within those channels and, and the way you're doing things. And, you know, you can, like you were saying, you can even match it up against, Hey, here's what we want to spend in, in, in paid social, for example, over the next quarter or, or throughout the entire year. Um, but I would say a really good way of approaching it is just start off very broad. What do you want to achieve for the year? And then start to start to break it down. I like to break it down into quarters. And yeah. then with quarters, I can break it down into months. Then I can break those down into weeks and then days. So even at our, again, as an example, at our, our, at our weekly marketing meetings, I have a very clear idea of what our team is working on week over week because I have all of this documented in our go-to-market plan and our executional strategy document. And some things might not line up as, as we all know, priorities shift and, and things get bumped around, but sure at thing. least it gives me a really good indication or idea of what are the next appropriate steps we should be working on. Got it. And should you get super granular, taking it from strategy to actually implementation, is there a level of how granular you like to get, i.e. this week or this month, we're going to be focusing on these activities, whether it was like, I don't know, a, doing certain things on your site, doing certain things on paid, doing certain things on certain channels, doing certain trade shows, depending on what you're in. Um, yeah. How specific do you like to get on those type of things? And in that's terms a, of perhaps spend and resource allocation and these kind of things. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I like personally, I like to get quite specific. So if I'm looking at, let's say the next quarter ahead, I know exactly what those next three months are going to look like for me, or at least I have an idea of what I want to achieve for the next three months. So I would have month one, month two, month three. And within those months, I get very specific. Okay, here are the exact objectives I want to achieve. And here are the tactics that I'm going to execute on or that our team is going to execute on. And then from there, it gets even more granular as far as to actually how are we going to achieve those who is accountable? Who is the task owner for those? Is there any spend involved? How much are we planning on spending? And then you can sort of match it up, right, as well, too, based on here's what we thought we were going to spend. Here's what we actually spent. Here's the return on some of that investment. Got it. Nice one. Okay, well, let's let's move on to step two. Let's move on to positioning. So, yeah, let's perhaps give a breakdown to start with what positioning actually means. Yeah, positioning is an interesting one because I think it's highly misunderstood from um, from a lot of different perspectives and from a lot of different people or by a lot of different people. Um, the way I would describe it is positioning ultimately will describe how and why your product is the best or one of the best um, or a market leader for a specific subset of the market or your customer's 
at any given point in time. And okay. I always I always reference April Dunford. I'm not sure if you're familiar with April or her work, but you know, she's arguably the best of the best when it comes to positioning and these types of things. And so I, I, I try to follow her as much as possible and learn from her and what she's putting out as far as content goes. And, and I'm actually, I'm just pulling something up right now in front of me, bear with me, which is how she describes what positioning is just so you can see, uh, you know, the definition from, from the expert herself. So she, April des describes positioning or defines it as, Positioning defines how your product is a leader at delivering something that a well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. And so within that, you can kind of pick apart what some of the key ingredients or components of positioning are. And, you know, again, like I said, there's a lot of misconceptions as far as what positioning is. I think a lot of people sure. say, hey, positioning is my brand, right? Or positioning is my, my messaging. Well, it's not. You know, and I can understand why you would get confused over that. But all of those things are outputs from what good positioning would be or should be, right? Again, positioning is an input, things that you're actively working on to then get a result from afterwards. And it's also important to note that there are overlaps, as you right. might assume, between business strategy and your positioning. And there should be overlaps, right? Your strategy should help you solidify your positioning and it should be used as an integral component of your positioning, which is why there are overlaps. So if we want to break down what really goes into positioning or how you can create a solid uh, positioning document or just really work on that positioning for your company, here's, here's sort of five key components that go into it along with a question that you can ask yourself to better understand that. So great. Say competitive alternatives is, is the first one. And again, this is sort of April Dunford's blueprint. I've read her books and I've, you know, I've studied the blog, so I'm very familiar with it. Competitive alternatives. So that's, Hey, if, if product ABC, my product doesn't exist, what would customers use in replace of that? And then you really start to understand, okay, what's out there in the market? And then you start to better understand how can you position yourselves against these competitive alternatives? The next one is key unique attributes. What okay. fe and, and the question to ask yourself here is really what features or attributes do you have that alternatives do not? Now you, yep. you might be, there might be, you know, overlap or some commonalities between the features and capabilities, but this is really about picking apart and making sure that you understand that there are key unique attributes that you offer and your competitors do not, which then leads into the third component of positioning, which is value or unique value differentiators. And this is all about, so what value do the attributes, so those unique attributes that we talked about in point two, enable for customers? Are they saving customers time? Are they saving customers money? Are they reducing the, the back and forth and the manual workload that customers typically need to embrace and, and, and um, you know, embody in their workflow? Good. All, all of those sorts of things. And so you start writing these things down all in a document is what I would recommend. Uh, number four is so customers that care. In other words, this is, uh, you know, who exactly cares about the value that is described here. So in other words, 
segmentation. Segmentation is a huge part of your positioning. And it's, it's also often a, a massive missed opportunity. Um, and this one is really all about best fit customers. It's not hypothetical okay. in nature saying, hey, you know, we want a service or our product is, is great for every single individual on, you know, on this planet, right? In every single industry, it's, yeah. might be, there might be some truth to that, which a lot of companies, you know, it's the spray it all type of approach. Um, but it's about getting really narrow and focused and understanding who of the segment within that market would actually buy from you today and why will they buy from you? And then the next one is just context within the market. And that one is just really the category that you're operating within. So where your brand or service offering fits within the marketplace as it is right now. Got it. Chili Piper's automated scheduling tools are super effective for booking and scheduling demos. I could chat about them all day long, but why not listen as a new customer witnesses the magic of Chili Piper for the very first time? Okay, you're just about to switch gears. I'm ready for it now. Hold on. Oh, we, we got one. We got one? We got one. Oh my God. Ah, yes. All right. Via ownership to... One of our A's pinged me and goes, guess what just worked? exactly how it should have happened this is exactly how it should have happened. i could have done it oh my god you are incredible so there it is proof of the power of chili piper book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash bgs that's c-h-i-l-i-p-i-p-e-r.com slash bgs chilipiper.com forward slash bgs charles runs a software company he gets a decent amount of leads through his website, through paid ads, but when it comes to the organic, non-paid listings on Google, his competitors are stealing his visibility, traffic, and customers, all because they rank higher than him on organic search with SEO, search engine optimization. He set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Okay, so we've got five things, competitive alternatives, key unique attributes, value or unique value differentiation, customers that are kind of an ideal fit for what you do, which unless you're Coca-Cola, it's probably not going to be anyone and everyone. And unless you have several <laughs> yeah. million a month to spend on on marketing and ads, probably not going to be. Yeah. Um, and then your content or category. Nice. It's, it's so- a pretty, and when you go through these five things, Sam, it, it's a, actually a pretty enlightening exercise. Like you start to, you, you start to see and... I don't mean to put it this way or preface it in any way, but like you really do start to see some of the flaws and holes that maybe you didn't once see from your organization and how Mm. you were currently positioning yourself. And I mean that in a really good way, right? Is that you actually start to learn where the true value is and where the key opportunity lies within your product or your service. And 
that's the whole part of doing an exercise like this. And so I would recommend in the way we do it here is we created what we refer to as a positioning document. We don't have a statement or a, a one paragraph type of blurb that we use. It's a document with all of these five things broken down. Again, a document that we revisit on a quarterly basis, only meant for internal use, nothing ex external. But what yeah. it does is it does allow us to create or do a better job at creating external documents that maybe we need to include some of these things if we're working on uh, partnership proposals, as an example, right? So it's sort of sure. like this, yeah, again, I referred to it earlier on when we first got started here as a cheat code. And I, and I, you know, I will double down on that. It absolutely is a cheat code. And you'll see for yourself if you, if and when you create a positioning document. Yeah, we all like cheat codes, right? And we do. I think, I think that's interesting because a lot of us spend a lot of time kind of on tasks or inside our business. And many of us, myself included, uh, find it difficult to put our ego to one side, as in what we think is great, what we think is working well. Our own opinion, basically, is what I'm saying. And then until yeah. you kind of get together with your team, whether it's the rest of your sales team, your marketing team, leadership, and you actually do these things like comparing alternate competitive vendors, understand what is actually unique about your offering, pain points, problem you solve for customers, value you bring to them, how you improve their life, how you improve their business, understanding what customers you actually want to work more with, who drives revenue for your business, what sector are they in, uh, what's their job title, what do they enjoy doing, etc. All, um, of, the, all it, of those things. Yeah. Until you do this, you kind of, just guessing right and you're just thinking you know what's right um until you actually get together with your team or depending on the size of your org whoever else is involved and list them down it, it's quite often quite surprising isn't it the the details that come out and the learnings from these kind of exercises it it is and, and even when you're going through you know all of those critical components that you just named off there that go into positioning you're still sort of left assuming from your own subjective point of view and from what you think and how you're building the product. So a lot, a large part of really good research that goes into, I guess, helping you bolster or improve your positioning is talking to customers as well too. So when it comes down to, you know, the key unique attributes as well as the value of those attributes, a large part of that is that you've got to do your homework, not just with what you think, exists or the value from your product but you've really got to talk to the market about that you've got yeah. to ask your customers what is the value that they're actually seeing and you need it to be on you need them to be honest with you yeah customer interview is a very very powerful tool and um, we've got got a lot of past episodes on those with guys like ryan gibson and many others on kind of what kind of questions you ask if you want to refer to those and the power of those so that's that's a great point well made christian um positioning so you've you've given us a nice summary of Kind of what's involved, what you should consider. How should you actually put this into play for your business uh, to actually, I don't know, drive growth, hit your goals, hit your revenue targets? How can we actually take this document, this learning, and then apply it? Yeah, and this and this is probably the part where a lot of individuals, and marketers, and companies get hung up. Is okay. I've I've done this work. We've created this you know, this wicked cheat code of a document. We've got our positioning document in place that outlines the five things, maybe more if you want to take it beyond those five things that we discussed. Now what? Now, now what do we do? 
right? And this is the part where we had talked about inputs versus outputs. Well, now is the part to take everything that you put into this document, the key unique attributes, the value, the segmentation, the context, all of those things, and now derive an output from it. And that often leads to pillar number three, which is your messaging. And so you're taking all of these things that you're learning yep. and then you're putting it out or you're creating new messaging or maybe reinforcing the messaging that already exists yep. to learn from that and to take what you know works or what you think works and on, honestly test it. Everything is an experimentation. Everything is a hypothesis in business. You're not going to know unless you put it to practice. And so pillar number three is what I would say is the sort of the ultimate output of marketing because of its importance and its impact across all of the activities and actions that you take as a marketing team. And your messaging is, I mean, there's a ton of different ways that you can describe messaging the way I easily describe it is, is it's how you communicate and talk about your product or your service, um, both internally and externally. So it's how you describe the value of your product to your prospects, to your customers and internally with your team. Got it. So you mentioned the first two points are more input based. Um, as, as we said, to putting together the business strategy docs, talking to your team, putting together your, your positioning plan documents, messaging's more of an output. Um, That's right. Two thoughts. Should only 10% of your time be spent on this? Because you mentioned 90% of work is behind the scenes and 10% is output. Does that mean only 10% of the time gets spent on messaging? No, definitely not. I think your messaging is something and the way a lot of organizations approach messaging is this, you know, maybe they'll work on this positioning document that we'll talk about. They'll refine their messaging. You know, they'll come up with a, a boilerplate type of about messaging. They'll come up with their tagline slogan and a longer version of an about. Yep. And then that's it. Then they'll use it and they'll use it over and over and over and over again until they stop using it until they tweak probably three to five words at tops, and then they do the same thing again, right? Then they'll use it until they overuse it and abuse it, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing here. But to answer your question, the way I approach messaging, and I think the way a lot more individuals and marketing professionals should approach uh, messaging is that it's an ever-evolving uh, component of your marketing. So... You know, to say whether you should be working on it 10% of the time or not is a little, I would say it's a little tough to gauge that. And, um, you know, forgive me if there's some misconfusion or some confusion there. Um, I can't say I can really put a number behind it, Sam, other than just, you know, saying this is an area that sure. des deserves a lot more attention than I think it, you know, traditionally gets or, or, or currently does get because of how impactful it is. And often when we think of messaging, we think of just like a written message, what we're reading with our words, but your messaging extends a lot more beyond that. It also translates and goes into your brand, right? How your brand voices, how your brand communicates. That's all part of your messaging. Yeah, I was going to ask actually. So when, for example, when I think of messaging, being a company that does websites and SEO, it typically to me, it feels like it's your website, hero area, top banner area, strap line, your headline. Um, it might be, like you said, in your about section. It might be your main call to action. It might be 
kind of points that you leverage on your ads, whether that's in LinkedIn, Google ads, social feeds, etc., those kind of things. Is that really what messaging is or is there a bit more to it on where it can apply? There's there's definitely more to it. I think that is a um, you know probably the best place to start with your messaging again because those are all the high visibility areas of messaging. But you know the the main objective really with messaging is to it's to connect with customers. It's connect with prospects over their preferred channels. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's just not that's not just marketing. That's marketing. That's sales. That's your customer support and your customer success team. Um, and it's really all about just helping your messaging helps you to deliver a good experience and to match or meet expectations. And so within that, you know, you can likely understand that there are uh, there are different ways to communicate across different channels. What you had just referenced is a great example because that's where a lot of prospects or a lot of customers come to interact with your brand so it's sort of you know the starting point but it's it's not the be all end all um your 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 prospects might want to communicate with you in a very different way or on a different channel than your customers do and so all of these different areas or these touch points of where your messaging has impact yep. can be defined within a uh within a message a messaging matrix is what you can create, but without overcomplicating it. I mean, the beautiful thing about having your strategy and your positioning in place is that um, it simplifies your messaging. Sure. And on the note of simplifying, so the the business strategy docs that we're going to create and the, the positioning docs we're going to create are going to be quite detailed, right? That's right. There's going to be quite a lot to them. Yeah. How can we simplify these into messaging that is concise to the point perhaps hits on a pain point, perhaps hits on a desire, a goal, objective of our target customer that we want to attract. How can we put all of this learnings into something that's easy to memorize, remember, quite concise and to the point, if, it, if they are going to be on various assets, whether that's our internal literature, materials, whether that's going to be on external stuff that we want clients to see, whether that's on our website, our ads, etc. Any yeah. recommendations of how to use it all into one juicy or several juicy points? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fantastic question because as you're working on your strategy and your positioning documents, you may get overwhelmed because there's a lot that does go into it, especially if you're focused on messaging as a as a primary output of it all. And the key thing here is that you're never going to strike gold on your first try. Right? So it's it's a reiterative process that does um, involve a lot of patience and practice. It comes down to organization and it comes down to just how are you structuring these documents? And you've got to, you know, and that's why going back actually into these five, those five key components of positioning is it's really, really, really key to make sure that you don't miss any of the critical components that go into it because they ultimately will provide you with what you need as far as the messaging piece goes. So for example, understanding your key unique attributes and then understanding the value of them after doing your customer research or your customer interviews, that's where a lot of the golden nuggets are for a lot of companies. You you understand a lot about how your product or your service is actually being used 
compared to how you think it was or once was um, being used across a different subset of customers. And so you've got to extract those nuggets, you've got to organize them, but then you've got to be able to pull them out and even move them over into a different document. And I know this sounds like, wow, this Christian guy is making us work through a lot of the different documents, but it really does benefit you in the long run, in, in the long term, sorry, when you have all of these um, critical pieces documented and well-documented so that you can go back as an organization and revisit them and revise them and make amendments to them and continue to improve and iterate. So, you know, long, I guess, a long winded answer short is just, it's about being able to structure it well, but then extract the nuggets and then put them into a different document. And then you'll start to see where areas overlap and what makes sense. And yeah, again, you're not going to have just one messaging that you try right away. It's going to hit and it's going to resonate. And that's what you're going to use for the next who knows, one to two to three years, doesn't mm. doesn't work that way, right? You're going to come up with a variety of different messages that you want to put out in the market and you're going to test them. And you're going to see based on different metrics that you're going to use to track these messages, whether or not they're going to work. Yeah, I was going to ask, is there any recommendations you've got into actually know if your message is resonating, if it's actually working, if it's actually moving the needle, if it's Kind of depending on what your objective is, whether it's an ad, if it's getting those click throughs, if it's being consumed. Um... Yeah, and those are th- those are key ones to to pay attention to, right? Is hey, if you're running ads on them, and actually running ads is a really good way to test messaging very quickly. If you're doing it organically, it takes a lot of time, right? Sure. You, you, you've got to make sure that you've got enough volume so that it accurately represents your market or the subset of the market that you're trying to serve. So you can run ads, but I think ultimately what comes down to whether or not good messaging resonates or whether it sticks is does your prospect fully understand the value of your tool and of your product and of your services after coming across some sort of messaging that you've put out there? So in other words, is there proper alignment between what you're putting out there and then the expectation of a prospect or a customer, if they're coming across it, sounds great, they're interested, but then when it comes time to having a conversation with your team or your, your pre-sales team or anything like that, and then they're confused, then you know, hey, maybe, maybe there's a component of our messaging that works really well because it's attractive to our ideal target customer, but there's a lot of misalignment and there's a lot of confusion. So we need to do a better job at clarifying that so that there are no confusions and that we better handle objections up front got it got it okay so it sounds like making sure that actually resonates with the kind of your prospects your customers so when they are eventually ready to speak to sales they're they're clear on the the value you bring to the table how you're going to help them how you're going to fix their issue and and so on you got it yeah you got it sam nice one sir well that is a that's a lovely way to to wrap up today's episode so with that said, Christian, thanks for running through the three pillars or the three fundamental pillars rather of marketing with us and showing some actionables on each. Now, do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn more from yourself, connect with you or the best way to get in touch. Yeah, best. Way, I mean, I'm I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So just Christian with a K, Borgesin. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, more than willing to, to connect with and have a conversation with anyone. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, Chris, K-R-I-S, uh, Borgesan, B-O-R-G-H-E-S-A-N. And 
those two are the are the best to to find me nice one dude and we should put all of those links over on the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing and with that i want to thank you once again for coming on the show thank you thanks for having me sam this was a blast no worries, dude. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, why not subscribe on YouTube? Or if you're tuning in on the audio podcast, a quick rating or review is always appreciated. And with that, we should catch you on the next episode for more No BS, actionable web and marketing tips. Catch you soon.